One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, as you read that, we need to make a, a little bit of a clarification. He's not saying he wants to spend all his time in the church building, okay? Because pr- chances are, for some of you, that doesn't sound all that exciting. It may depend on who's preaching. It might be really boring um, if I'm up here. But that's not what he's saying. The word house here is the same word that would have been used for the tabernacle. And for Israel, and especially in David's day, the tabernacle represented not just a a place of worship, it represented specifically God's presence. That's what he's saying. He's saying, what I want more than anything is to be in your presence continually. To be so connected to you, God, that I know that you are with me right here, right now, every step of the way, and I sense, I experience the vitality of your presence. David asks for three things and they're his passion. And we're going to look at those for just a minute. He desired to be in God's presence in three dimensions. There's three words that he uses. There are three verbs that he talks about. He says he wants to dwell, he wants to gaze, and he wants to inquire or meditate would be another proper translation. He wants to dwell, live continually in God's presence. Secondly, he wants to gaze. He wants to behold the wonders of God's beauty. In other words, he asked that his life would be filled with the wonder of who God is, with awe. And then finally, he asks to inquire in his temple, and what it means is he wants to know God so much that he can make God known. Now think about it. Does that sound like a pretty good wish list for your life? To know that God is right with you every moment in his presence and that he's embraced you and he's showing you how to live and he's filling your heart and life with joy. Secondly, He's enabling you to see with eyes of wonder what he is doing right here, right now. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to know him, not just know about him, not just, you know, be an expert in doctrine or in theology, but to know God intimately to the point where you feel absolutely comfortable trying to make him known because you're introducing other people to the person who means more to you than anyone else in all of your life. That's what David is asking for. Do you see why God said he's a man after his own heart? Because that is the one desire of his life. Now, David isn't a guy who spent all of his time, he's not a preacher necessarily, although God used him in in great ways. You know, he didn't only work on Sundays like I do. You know, he he had a regular job. You know, he was king. He had to rule a nation. He had a huge family. He had multiple wives. Wasn't very smart in that one, but um, he did it anyway. He had lots of children. He had struggles and difficulties and heartaches more than we could ever imagine. And yet the core desire of his life was to seek God with all that he is, to live continually in his presence to behold the wonders of his beauty and to know him 
and to know what he is doing so that he can make him known. Now look how confident David is that God is going to answer his prayer. Because the next few verses actually are a commentary on what he just asked for. Verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. The first thing he's saying is, I'm going to be in his tabernacle. He's going to be with me. And in fact, wherever I go, when I go out to face the enemy, I'm going inside the tabernacle of God because his presence covers over me. And it's just like that same picture of Isaiah where it says his robe filled the temple. It covered over everyone. He covers over us. David is confident to go out and face opposition and fear and the things that would normally terrify him because he knows that he's not going alone, but God in his holy temple is covering over him and going with him. And then the next thing he says is, he will lift me up upon a rock. What he's saying is, I'm going to allow you to see life from my perspective, not your own. You want to gaze upon my beauty? I'm going to show you what I'm doing. I'm going to lift you up over the crisis, and you're going to see me at work. Isn't that amazing? I hope, I hope it's not just words to you. I hope it begins to resonate, and you're saying in your heart, Lord, I want that. I desire that. And then he says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. What he's saying is he is so confident that God is going to make himself known that his only response is that everything in him is going to cry out in worship and in song and in rejoicing. You see, his life is filled with joy, not because his circumstances are good, but because he knows God and is experiencing his presence. That's why we should desire to see him. And this confidence permeates everything about David. It permeates everything in this psalm. In fact, he ends the psalm in verse 13 with this powerful statement. I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, what he was saying is, I'm not just counting on God to take care of me when I die. I am confident I am going to see the goodness and greatness and majesty of God here and now in this life. Even though right now an army surrounds me, God is bigger than my opposition. And so he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So what does it mean to dwell continually in the presence of the Lord? Let's look at that for just a minute. Because that, if that becomes your desire, it will change you. Your journey towards intimacy with God and the joy of living before his faith face begins with wanting it, with a desire that is bigger than, than just desiring God to bless your plans. We have to come to the point in our life where we're going, God, I'm no longer going to keep asking you to bless what I want. 
I'm going to ask you to change what I want to be you. To make that transformation in our heart. Because when he becomes the desire of our heart, understand that our soul is created as something with an infinite capacity. We are created in the image of God. Therefore, nothing temporary, nothing finite can ever fill that which is infinite. Only God can. And so we need to begin to desire Him more than His blessings. And that's where joy will overflow in our heart and our life. David had a passionate heart for God. Here's how he expressed it. He said, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He had tasted enough of God's presence to know he wanted more and more and more and more. I should never go off my script. But it's kind of like he's become a God drug addict. Okay? You know, he just can't get enough. He needs more and more of his presence. But, you know, God's a drug with no after effects or downside. So it's okay. All right? You could pursue him with all that we have. That's the kind of relationship he had with God. But what about us? Is God just an acquaintance? Is it superficial? Is it academic? Maybe I know a lot about him from a technical standpoint, and I could give you answers to, to questions about theology? Or do I know him intimately and personally? We were made to live in his presence, and that is where we will find our joy. Secondly, David's desire was to gaze, to behold the wonders of God's beauty. Deeply rooted in every human heart is an unquenchable longing for beauty. A God-given sense that beauty must have meaning that is larger and more permanent than one's own self. It can arouse pleasure, delight, and, and beauty can even bring rest. Every person longs to observe and be a part of beauty as they seek for a rare glimpse of greatness and yearn for a vision of glory. That's why we're moved by music, the words of a poet, the work of an artist, the wonder of a newborn child, the uniqueness of every living creature. We're moved by the the beauty of the multicolored hues of a sunset and the brilliance of a sunrise. In our home, um, Back in Colorado, right now, um, we lived at fairly good elevation. And so they've gotten about three feet so far where our home used to be. And I got to tell you, when you see the sun come out shining on that snow, it is so resplendent in beauty that it takes your breath away. God created us for that kind of appetite and desire. And the reason why we don't experience awe and wonder very often is because we're looking for awe apart from looking for the awe maker himself, God. 
When we begin to say, Lord, would you show me your creation? Would you show me the wonders of what you've done? Would you show me the beauty you've created in other people? Help me to see them as you see them. When we begin to praise God for the gifts and the abilities that he's given. When I was listening earlier to, to Egley play on the piano and, and hear you know, some of the little runs that he did, it was like, that is so cool. That's just amazing to me because I could never ever do that. But when we hear music, we're thankful to God because he created something so beautiful. And he gave us endless varieties of ways to enjoy the beauty of what he's done. We were made for beauty. And if you go looking for it and say, God, I want to see the wonder of who you are, he'll show himself to you. In all kinds of ways. Let me give you a crazy, wonderful way for you to experience beauty. If you really want to experience wonder and awe and beauty, volunteer to be part of Sunday school. I was saving that one. Here's the thing. You teach a child a motion song about Jesus and something will happen in you. Even if you're the frumpiest person here, you're going to start bouncing and getting into it and you're going to be filled with awe and wonder because they're filled with awe and wonder. Sometimes we need to get over ourselves so that we can enjoy what God has already given us. So, I expect you to go see Ben at the end of the service and sign up for the Rhoda and look for ways that you can see awe and wonder in God. In Sunday school, you know what? You can find awe and wonder in making the coffee. Coffee has a great aroma. I don't really drink it, so that's the only thing I can really point to. But it's service, it's beauty, it's wonder. We can find wonder anywhere if we're looking for God. And desiring to be in his presence. And we try to cultivate an awareness of what God is doing around us. Because he is at work. The whole earth is already filled with his glory. We just need him to open our eyes to see what he is doing. Finally, his desire was to know God so he could make him known. When we're in love with someone... We want to find out everything we can about that other person. When I was first dating my wife, after the first date, it was so amazing. I showed up at her house. I broke every rule of dating. I showed up at her house the next day in the morning. It was bad. She wasn't dressed, but she came to the door anyway. But I was so captivated by who she was, I just wanted to know her more. And for some crazy reason, she opened the door and let me back in. It was great. And now we've been married for forever. Um, and it gets better and better and better. Is that your experience with God? You see, he wants you to know him intimately. But to do that, he's given us this incredible gift. Actually, he's given us three great gifts. He gave us his word so we could know what he is like. He gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could understand and experience his presence. And he gave us one another, the church, so that we could encourage one another and build one another up. 
and strengthen one another in his presence. If you're going to seek God, and I'm going to try to be real practical here for the next just few minutes, and then then we're going to um, worship again. You need to seek him in his word. And I believe that if you want to seek his face, if you want to know his presence, the best place that you need to to be and begin to spend time is in the Psalms. And and this, you may already have a plan that you do where you're reading through the Bible in a a year or you've got uh, a series of uh, studies that you're doing. That's great. You keep doing it. But if you want to know the heart of God, the Psalms are an incredible place to be. Because they are raw with emotion, with confusion, with questions, with frustration and misunderstanding. And they are experiential with God showing up. They are real. And, and the book of Psalms covers about a thousand years of biblical history. So it encompasses all kinds of things. And I believe if you want to seek God, that that is the greatest place to begin to make it a quest on a daily basis to spend time in the Psalms. And so let me just give you a few little tips about maybe how you can begin to seek the Lord or, or maybe enhance your pursuit of the Lord. As I mentioned before, we have to choose to seek Him first. It begins with a decision. Are you going to seek God for, for Himself? Desires are siege which must be sown in good soil of activity or they will not bring forth any harvest. David chose to seek God. So the first thing is we have to decide, that's what I want. And if, and if it's not what you want, are you willing to at least pray, God, would you make that my desire? To want you more than I want anything else. Secondly, find time daily to seek God. David in Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. It was a daily choice and an eternal joy. That's what he discovered. You can discover it too. But we need to choose a time. It may be morning, it may be night, it may be during a kid's nap, it may be uh, lunchtime. It doesn't matter. Find a time that works for you and be intentional. This is what Jesus did. He's the great example of that. It's very interesting. After Jesus um, has the Lord's Supper and he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, it tells us in Luke chapter 22 that this was his custom. In other words, whenever he was in Jerusalem, every night where he would go was the Garden of Gethsemane in the, in late in the evening to pray. Now, how do I know that was his custom? Well, number one, it says that in Luke 22. But the second reason is, have you under, ever wondered how it is that Judas leaves the Last Supper and goes out and he betrays Jesus Christ and he knows exactly where to bring the soldiers? Because it was Jesus' pattern to be in prayer every evening there in the Garden of Gethsemane to spend time with the Father. Judas didn't have to go and look around. He knew exactly where Jesus would be praying to the Father. We need to be intentional as well. Choose a time, choose a place to seek the Lord. And I believe the Psalms can really help us get to know God's heart.
One of the interesting little facts I discovered just this week. Before Martin Luther wrote his 95 theses that he nailed to the church door that began the Reformation, he spent two years right before that time studying and teaching the Psalms. Now, it was the doctrine of Romans that transformed him and helped him to to write those 95 theses, the things that would transform and change the church. But it was knowing the heart of God in the Psalms that gave him the reservoir of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to his promptings and step forth and do it. We need both. We need to know both doctrine and we need to know the heart of God. So let me encourage you to spend time in the, in the Psalms. And, and here's, here's some ideas. I, you, may just, you may want to start slow and just pick one Psalm a day. That's perfectly fine. If you do that, you can, the Psalms, there's enough there to go through for five months. If you just start with um, the, today's date and, and start with that Psalm, read that Psalm. Tomorrow, you read the next, the next Psalm. And then the next month, you just add 30 to it. The next month, you add 60, 90, 120, and you'll read all the way through. Or you can double that up and read more than one. I, I choose, for a long time, I've chosen to do, for the most part, five Psalms a day. I do some in the morning, I do some at night. And, I, and I, I don't just read through them, read through them and look for something that God's speaking to your heart that stands out to you, something to meditate on. This is more important than how much you read. It's more important that you find something that God is speaking to you. And what I urge you to do is, is to journal it, is to get, a, get a, a little book and begin to write down what God is saying to you. Maybe it's just one verse out of the psalm that you're wondering about. What does this mean, God? What is, what is this like? What does this tell me about you? What does this tell me about my relationship with you? Look for something that stirs your heart and begin to write it down because you want to use that then in your time of prayer before the Lord. And as you begin, ask the Lord, Sir, Lord, I want to know you. I want to seek your presence. Show me who you are. I'm coming to your word because you are the desire of my heart. And I believe with all that is within me, God will reveal himself to you. You will experience him. Now, I put down in your, your notes a little tool that I use as part of my journal. And it's, it's to help me shape my prayers. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to get distracted when I'm praying. I'll get focused in on something I need to do and and I need some help bringing me back into the things that I want to do in God's presence. And so I use this little acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y, which is praise, redirect, ask in faith, and yield to his authority. Now you can use something else, but it, maybe for some of you it'll be helpful. I'll begin by praising God for who he is, for what he has done, and for what he is doing right now. And I look for that as I'm reading in the psalm. Show me something about you so I can praise you, so I can know you better. And then I come to the R, and it's not just confession of my sins, because usually when we think of that, we're thinking of things that we did that we would classify as immoral. But what the scripture says is that anything that is not of faith is sin. Do you realize We can be ungodly 
and not do anything immoral? Ungodly simply means I'm doing it without God. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? Because we like to think of ourselves as godly because we're moral. But they're not the same. So I come and I ask the Lord, show me things that are ungodly in my life. Things that I need to be redirected to you. To live by faith. And to honor you with those areas. Lord, reveal that as I'm reading this in your word. And change me. Transform me. I'm giving it back to you. And then... Because we've already focused in on who God is, what he has done, and what he is doing, we can ask in faith because we recognize the greatness of our God. The fact that Jesus Christ right now is living to make intercession for us. It will empower your prayers. And and I've seen answered prayers in the last few weeks that God has just amazed me with. And finally, yield to his authority. Choose to wait on him. Recognize, Lord, I'm yours. These all follow out of the Lord's prayer, the pattern, it ending with your kingdom come. So pray intentionally. Write it out. And then understand, you're going to face obstacles. If you begin on a journey of seeking God, chances are on day two, something's going to happen. You know, there's going to be a traffic jam. The, um, there'll be no hot water. Something will happen. There'll be some way that you're distracted. Um, you're discouraged. Maybe there'll be a conflict with, uh, with a family member. Maybe there'll be you know, something at school that d- discourages you. Understand the enemy doesn't want us in God's presence because he hates us. But God does and God is greater. So expect opticals obstacles and pray against those and say lord i'm distracted right now you know that i am but bring me back to you you're worth it i want to spend time with you and then look for beauty as you're as you're going out from your time spending with the lord ask him to show you and help you see his beauty in the world and lives and creation around you and he'll show himself to you now, one of the things that I, that I do that I find really, really helpful is, is to keep it fresh is when I'm reading the Psalms, I also listen to them a lot. There are some great apps that you can use. ESVBible.org is one of my favorites because it's free and, and, and it's, it's a really good translation. But it also has both all the text and you can highlight it, you can make notes, you can get reading plans, you can get all kinds of stuff with it. Um, but it also has an audio thing. So I can listen to it because sometimes... I learn more from what I hear than what I read. And and bring some variety into it. There's another great one that's called Bible.is. It's another website. And this is by Faith Comes by Hearing. It has the Bible in 1,184 different languages. So whatever your heart language is, they've got it in audio and written form, most likely. And not only that, but it's a great tool that you can use because it also has, um, in many of those languages, the Jesus film. And you can get it all on your, on your phone or on your iPad or your Android or Amazon or whatever you got. And use that to help discover and look and know who God is. Memorize verses. Meditate on them. And sing praise to God. David 
heart, David's heart overflows and he has to sing. We were made for music and music was made for us. So we should sing it. One of the things we've added to the, just to the website is um, we're starting to, to make a little mix list of the songs that we're doing um, recently at ICP. And if you have other songs that really are meaningful to you as a congregation, just email me and we'll add that to it. So you can listen to them. And wherever you are, and we can encourage one another with songs and with music. I want to encourage you to fast. When we fast, when we choose to make God a priority by giving up things that we consume, whether that's food or entertainment or something else, we're simply saying to God, I want you to be my one desire. I desire you more than these things. And then be expectant. Watch for the Lord. See what he will do. If you need help with any of those things, just send me an email. Give me a call. We can have coffee together and we can, I can help you get started in lurking and seeking the presence of God. But I promise you, it will change you if you seek him. His invitation is to seek my face. Will you, will I say, Lord, your face we will seek. If we want to see revival happen in the Czech Republic, revival happen in our church, in our families, that's where we begin, is seeking him. Because it is out of the overflow of his presence in our life that he does all his work work because it is his work Father God I want to desire you I want to desire your presence and Lord I, I know that there are people here that they have that same desire Lord would you draw us to yourself Would you help us to discover who you are and encourage one another with the things that we are learning about you to build one another up, to be your family, to be your body. Lord, would you begin with the desire. And Lord, there are those here in this room that don't even know you yet. They may know some things about you. Would you draw them to yourself? Would you give them Lord, um, help them to overcome the fear and simply call upon the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you. And so I'm asking to know you. I'm asking in Jesus' name, help me to understand what you have done. I see what the scriptures tell us. I see what others have said. But I want to know you personally. Lord, would you enable us to do that? To search after you with all of our heart. Hear our prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.